You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Ryan of Coin. This is a bit of an extra helping, something quite special. Last week, we had Coin featured on the podcast, and this time I'm chatting with their drummer about his specific passion outside of the band, art. Painting, to be more specific. We talk about some of his favorite painters, as well as the joy he gets from painting when he's not on the road with Coin. This is the first episode of its kind from us, and I'm sure it won't be the last. This is the 405 Exchange with Ryan of Coin. Enjoy. So we're doing something a little bit different with this type of talk. We're jumping into a very specific passion of a band member. And I'm sat here with Ryan from Coin. Ryan, thanks for chatting with me. Absolutely. I guess before we go into all the specifics, I guess the good it would, it would be good to start off the first question, of course, is like, when did you realize art was a passion of yours? Not until later in life, surprisingly. Um, I had always been fascinated by it, uh, you know, in the art classes that you would take in middle school or high school. Um, but I was kind of an annoyance in, in school. I was always very loud and, and boisterous and stuff like that. So it wasn't until I moved to Nashville um, that I fell in love with it because I needed some art for my apartment. It was so it was so lame and so bare. Yeah. And I figured maybe I'll just make something, you know, for this this space to make it more interesting. So, yeah. yeah. That's intriguing. You find yourself thinking more. I'm gonna make something rather. I'm gonna go buy something. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I definitely didn't have the money when I first moved to Nashville <laughs> to, to buy anything besides groceries. So that's definitely relatable to anyone listening. I'm sure. <laughs> so there is a list of some artists that we definitely want to jump into that I think you want to specifically talk about. The first being Gerard Richter of Germany, right? Oh yeah, Gerhard Richter. Yeah. Yeah. Gerhard Richter. Uh, he's quite known for his abstract works. Ryan, when did you find yourself intrigued by Richter's work, and what is it about his work that speaks to you specifically? So I had a friend um, kind of tip me off about Gerhard Richter probably three years ago. Um, we were just chatting, and she found out that I had started painting and didn't go to art school or anything, but she knew I was interested in it. So she told me about Gerhard Richter, and I started looking at his work, and I was really fascinated by the lack of brush strokes. So that was the first thing I noticed is that I couldn't pick up any brush strokes in his work no matter how hard I looked at the, the piece, right? Um, and then I found out that for his abstract work specifically he uses this large squeegee and he sort of drags it across the paint, or the painting rather, with sections of paint that he sort of preps and lays on you know, his canvas or, or board or whatever he's working on which I thought was really interesting because it's all based on a reaction. So he knows, you know, most times how the paint will react, but I think when he first started that process, he was abandoning his very formal sort of uh, subject work, you know, where he was working with like portraits and stuff like that or landscapes. So when he started the abstract work, he was abandoning forms, but keeping his color theory and all of his knowledge in mind as he would sort of drag the paint across and I really like his horizontal pieces specifically. So that was something I, I, I found really interesting is that I couldn't find the brush stroke and then I found out that it was sort of just these colors being blended together as he would drag something across rather than you know meticulously painting uh, you know square inch by square inch. So. Yeah. What's really interesting about his work that I found when I was looking him up is that he has this element where it's obviously a very still image, a still painting, but mm -hmm. like there is this weird sense of almost movement, kineticness mm -hmm. within his pieces. Absolutely. 
Yeah, there's one piece specifically um, when he was sort of introducing an abstraction, but keeping a subject with a car that was moving, and it you can see that motion uh, from left to right or from right to left, however he does it, and you can see that motion on this car uh, that then carried over into all of his abstract work that I really like. So you're right to say that it it, it does feel static, but it does feel like it's a bit blurry. Yeah. And some there's some wave of, of motion happening, which is cool. Yeah, I found that really intriguing. You know, next up is Sterling Ruby, an American artist who delves into various mediums, mediums such as <clears throat> painting, sculpture, and video. Is there a specific medium that Ruby works within that you enjoy the most? I like um, his paintings, for sure. But yes, he does so much. So I found out about Sterling Ruby because I'm a fan of uh, Raph Simmons, who's a fashion designer. So I found out about Sterling Ruby because they had collaborated, uh, you know, together really on multiple occasions. So Raph was recently appointed the creative director of Calvin Klein, and uh, he and Sterling had Sterling had worked together a few times uh, prior on Raph's personal collections. But he uh, had Sterling come in and he did like the Calvin Klein store in New York uh, here actually, which I haven't been to. But I I don't, I don't know if it's currently in this state, but it's supposed to be all yellow. Oh, wow. uh, and really interesting so I just sort of like uh, the way he wraps his mind around any medium and I got a chance to read a little bit about him recently and sort of where he moved and just the idea of what you think it's gonna be like when you move to a new city to pursue your passion uh, in art or in just making anything yeah. and he was someone who inspired me because he never got that firm you know easy way in uh, and he really had to work for it and each city that he would move to and, and sort of rediscover uh, he would never felt really a part of the scene yeah. so he had the opportunity and really found the opportunity to just make the work that he wanted to make instead of sort of following these trends that I think can pop up in certain cities you see a certain style of painting you kind of follow that especially if you're young so yeah, yeah it was just cool to read about him I really like him yeah that's really awesome man and that must be very empowering for you as an artist as well in an inspirational way seeing that there's this guy that you could admire and realize that he went through something that's very relatable and that's mm -hmm. yes absolutely yeah and I think I've applied sort of all of the you know I still have a very novice approach to, to painting and a lot of my friends in art school have been helping me I, you know I send them dozens of text messages when I'm working on something just to see how I can sort of enhance the process but then some other times I just go for it but I think that's the beauty of it is that it's sort of carried over into how we do things as a band which is really cool um, and I've sort of being a drummer always thought very to the click track and to the point and to being perfect and you know to aligning things and being that sort of backbeat to the band but Painting has allowed me to go off the rails a little more, which I really appreciate when I'm home. So. Yeah, that's very cool. And now we arrive at Clifford Still. This is one hell of a fucking dude. He was yes. one of the leading figures of the first generation of abstract expressionists. Yes. Um, tell me what you love about this guy, because there's so many things to say about him. So, yeah, so Clifford Still, oh man. I first uh, discovered him just online because I was flipping through photos of the early abstract expressionist work, you know, from, I, I would say, I don't know, late 50s or something, and read about how a lot of these artists were deleting their forms. So they were taking shapes away from paintings that they'd made previously. And I really loved Clifford Still because his work almost reminded me of like an animal print or something when I first got a chance to look at it. And also his use of color was really incredible. In certain places I would see just one small slash of color that really could go unnoticed. 
Yes, because he'd sort of create this, you know, like I said, this sort of animal print, almost wallpaper type of thing that you'd be looking at, and then you'd find one little slice of color that you, you know, would normally go unnoticed. But um, I really fell in love with him because I went to the Clifford Still Museum, which is uh, in Denver, um, and it was really interesting because he wanted his work to end up in a building, just a building in America, he specified for this, yeah. and he didn't want it to be, you know, sold or auctioned off or anything like that. Granted, I'm, I'm sure people own, you know, some of his work, but um, when I went to this museum, it was really cool how they aligned it because they set it up in almost chronological order where you'd start with all of his, um, you know, subjective work, um, where you'd get to see subject matter, you'd get to see a person or a landscape or something like that, and then you'd start seeing the forms get deleted over time, which pulled him into the abstract work. So you got to see really the evolution of his work, and then in the, uh, I don't know what floor it was on, maybe the bottom floor, there are these, it's a vault almost, and it's got all of these rows of paintings that are just stored away. Um, so a lot of his work ended up there. I mean, there's hundreds of, of Clifford Still pieces there. But um, he was, you know, a really cool guy seemingly too because I think he was one of the ones that didn't really cash in on the commercialization yeah. of, of abstract work at that time. I think there was a huge pop and a huge boom and he was just making something really interesting. Um, so I wish I knew a little more about him but he's, he's really always stood out to me just when I, you know, from a simple-minded point of view, just seeing his work has, has been awesome. Well, you know what, I'm curious, as an artist as yourself, both as a musician and a painter, just a creative person in general, I mean, I think Richter definitely is aligned with this question, but I'm thinking more of like uh, Ruby and Still, but definitely Richter as well. When you come across these painters who delve into so many different areas where they are definitely proficient in one thing, where they allow themselves to delve into different areas, is that kind of inspirational for you as a creative person? Like, what does that say to you? It is, it is. Um, I think specifically, yes, as a creative person, just in general, I don't I feel weird you know, <laughs> calling myself that, um, but I like to be creative and I like to just stretch my mind as much as possible. Um, even if I suck at something, it's just fun to throw things at the wall and see what sticks, which is very much what painting is still for me. So, yeah, um, yeah I think it's inspired me a lot um, to carry over to music because of the consistency of overthought that I've seen and so many bands, so many songwriters, so many friends that are artists or whatever, there's always this overthought and there's this place where you can get stuck. Yeah. So looking at any abstract work, even if I know nothing about it or I can't even, you know, decide what medium it was made in, if there's a spark that makes me feel that someone pushed through something that they might have been stuck on, yeah. that's the work that I love the most and those are the moments that I carry with me when I go to make something or yeah. write a song with the guys or whatever it is, I like feeling like we've accomplished something when we were stuck. And I think that is a lot of abstract art because there are certain things that are planned and there are certain things that you can't plan for and um, even the most proficient people, they find their you know best tricks, so to speak, when they're making work they find those when they make a mistake. And that's like the most beautiful thing to me. Yeah, you know, tell me, what's been one of your favorite musician, uh, museums that you visited? <clears throat> wow, um, so we did a crash course of Tate Modern um, when we were in London because it was the day we arrived uh, to start rehearsing for the tour that we did back in November. And we were exhausted and incredibly jet lagged. 
and just feeling very confused about what time it was. And we knew we couldn't go to bed at, you know, 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or else it would ruin our next day, you know, more than likely. Yeah, yeah. So we decided to go to Tate Modern and it was so amazing. It didn't exhaust me as much as I think MoMA did, really? where I love MoMA too. But for some reason, the flow of Tate Modern was so cool. And I really enjoyed that. And I think I also enjoyed it because it was free. Yeah. Why are we charging so much, you know, to get into museums in the US? I don't know. But it was just cool to walk right in and just see some of the most beautiful work I'd ever seen. And it was interactive too. I, I liked that about it too. It wasn't just people in a sterile environment staring at things. You know what's interesting? I kind of want to delve into this a little, at least a little quickly, because I've had friends tell me this friends who go to Tate quite. Um, uh, regularly and who have also gone to like your MoMA's and like your history museum here in New York and places at the end of Guggenheim Yeah, and something that I've heard quite a bit is that because it's so free There's almost like this attitude where you feel like you could be more casual when you go there Was that kind of similar to how you felt when you were there? Yes, yes, and we even commented on it um, Within our group. I think it was just the band that went um, but we commented on how many kids were there and the fact that all of these I don't know, they were just these beautiful, like, cool-looking people, and they were all parents, you know, and they brought their kids with them, and the kids were so young, and they were asking just beautiful elementary questions about the work, where, you know, sometimes you think an artist has a very specific way of how they want to communicate something, but there'd be a kid, you know, asking, why, why is this, why are those people kissing, or something in this, you know, photograph or something, or... Or why is this one, you know, what color is that? It looks like a weird color or something. So that was really cool to have that sort of um, childlike appreciation for the work that we were seeing, but also, like you said, it was a carefree environment. So that was cool, really, really cool. Yeah, you know, we've talked a bit about other artists' works, uh, but we should also touch on your work as well, because I was on your website a while back, and, you know, I loved what I saw, because I felt like there was, like, a nice, eclectic nature, though you could definitely tell that you were figuring stuff out as you were working on them and I felt like there was like a good voice with that I like really loved the jewel piece and the piece that was I think called Throne okay. and yeah those pieces spoke to me a bit so describe to me what's going on in your mind when you're painting because I imagine it's very different than when you're in the <coughs> studio yeah it is yes it is it is completely different um I still don't totally know what's going on in my mind but I think um I'm relinquishing a lot of pent up maybe Sometimes it could be anxiety or frustration with an area of life or maybe I'm missing friends and family and it's that moment when I first get home from tour and I just need to do something. Yeah. So maybe the, a painting doesn't come out that day. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just put paint on a canvas and I let it dry overnight. Um, I think it's just getting things out that I feel sometimes I don't have time to think about on tour. Because um, we run a pretty, you know, busy schedule and this is the first tour with, you know, having a bus and things like that There's a little more free time, but I still find myself caught in the pace of it and when I'm home Everything goes completely silent and I find myself in my garage, you know, pushing paint around and having time to think So I think that's generally what it is. It's it's having the time to think so I think the thoughts actually come while I'm painting instead of going into a painting with thought with you know which in some instances that's the case but a lot of it is me collecting myself after tour and just seeing what happens cool well yeah thanks man I really appreciate this thank you so much this was awesome yeah, appreciate of course. it yeah.